Stop making fun of me. You're gonna have to learn your cliches. You're gonna have to study them. You're gonna have to know them. Well, you know, you go out there and you give 110% and you want to play good and, you know, you hope you play good. I think we play pretty good tonight. Well, you know, there's no I in the word team, and this is a team effort. Ten, five, touchdown. Oh, man, you know, you just got to play one game at a time and go out there and give 110%. All right! Play ball. Hello, you devils, and thanks for pouring yourself a glass of hydrogen dioxide as you check out the 85th installment of Scoring at the Movies. We harken back a spell to review old sports flicks, and we ferociously spoil them. I'm the low-IQ nincompoop, who doesn't like confrontations, but is more than eager to open cans of verbal whoop-ass, Ryan Ellis. And here's the H2O enthusiast who's good at playing the foosball because he can do it, Chris DiGregorio. Oh, thanks, Ryan. I apologize for being a little late to this recording, but it took me about six times longer than I expected to ride my lawnmower over here versus my usual car. But it felt thematic, so I went with it. It's just... Not fast. You need a Feruza Bulk to supercharge it for you. That's true. Do you think she's available? I haven't seen her in a movie lately. She might be... Doesn't work that much, does she? She's done some good stuff, especially back in this era, the late 90s, early 2000s. Bev and I covered her last year in Almost Famous. Really good role for her there. She was in, I think, The Craft, right? The Island of Dr. Moreau. Of course, not a good movie, but pretty infamous. Just rewatched it recently for reasons, I suppose. Yeah. She's one of those people that, depending on the era of movie, I feel like watching in a given stretch, she's like everywhere... But then nowhere. I wonder if she got Harvey'd. You think? Well, I'm going to tell you right now about the scoring factor in this movie. Her badassery is awfully sexy. Her badassery She's cute, is sexy. too. She's got Adam energy. Sandler never helps the score factor. <laughs> he seems like a great guy. I can never hate Adam Sandler, even though I've hated so many of his movies. But he never helps the score factor. If you manage to hang on to a little bit of scoreability through this movie towards the end of it, the one thing that will just kill it for you entirely is listening to Kathy Bates tell... Bobby, go become a man. <laughs> okay, that's it. As much as I love Kathy Bates, I really don't need to hear anybody's mother yell that at them as they're leaving their wedding. This so. is fair. This is true. Well, crack open. You've got two beers sitting there, so get one of them open right now as I sip from my... What do I have again? CC and diet, of course. What a shock. It's been a long day, Ryan. This is a twofer tonight. What's that one? It's purple. This is a movie about a man's man, right? Bobby Boo. Bobby Boucher. Boucher. It is Boucher, right? This is a pretty good name, actually. Of all the Sandler names, is one of the better ones. And on Wikipedia, it does say Robert Bobby Boucher. I mean, that does make sense. I'm it's glad like... they make that very clear where they got Bobby from. Yeah. Is he Bobby or is he Robert? Is he Roberto? We don't know. Or do we? Apparently we do. One of the things I did notice in this movie is in the final halftime scene, is he going to make it or isn't mm. he going to make it? I think we all know he's going to make it. But is he going to make it or not? When he pops into the locker room, the player kneeling towards the back with his back to the camera is named Madison. I just wondered if that was a callback to Billy Madison or to Happy Madison Productions or something. I didn't see that, but I almost guarantee that's what it was about. Because Sandler is one of those guys, and this is one of the reasons it's hard to hate the guy, even if you hate his movies. Because he's so loyal to friends, and he likes his references, so why not refer to his old movie from a couple years before? One of the ones that helped make him a star and a headlining type of guy. This movie was a blockbuster hit. Wait, what? Waterboy was a blockbuster. You didn't know hit. that, yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now. It was a mega smash. It was fifth in 1998 at the box office. What? Saving really? Private Ryan was number one. Rounders we covered. That was 80th. He got game was 84th. 
Both better movies, but this was fifth. I guess you didn't like this one too much. I remember liking this movie well enough when I saw it in 98. Not nearly as much as I remembered liking Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, any of the precursor movies that made Adam Sandler a huge star. Wedding Singer, the same year as this, too. I don't think I saw Wedding Singer when it first came out, so that one didn't influence me. But nonetheless, I remember liking it well enough. I just didn't realize it was that big a hit. This is not a movie that, in a lot of respects, aged terribly well, I don't think. Not that it's problematic, necessarily. A lot of the gags feel just really dated. Wow, $190 million. On a $23 million budget. That's a pretty good return on investment right there. <laughs> like a lot of Adam Sandler's movies, quite frankly, you can split this one pretty cleanly into elements of it that worked reasonably well, and a bunch of elements of it that just fell totally flat. And the one thing that almost from the beginning of the movie and continuously through the end, I knew was going to fall flat for me was exactly what you touched on. All of the friends in this movie that he just pulled in for little bit parts here and there, none of it worked. The hillbillies in the stand stuff, there's no payoff to it at all, except, is it Clint Howard? Clint Howard, yeah. Ron Howard's brother, who's in all of, or almost all of Ron Howard's movies, is one of those two. And Alan Covert, who is in so many Sandler movies, is the other guy. Covert, I actually kind of like in a lot of the stuff he does with Sandler. I find him generally okay. Again, the hillbilly stuff, I just didn't get. Except for that one moment when Clint Howard is speaking to Happy Gilmore and his mom's hospital room, and he starts the speech with, I am not what you would call a handsome man. (laughs) For some reason, his delivery of that just kills me every time. So That was good. Kudos to him for that one. But by and large, all of that friend stuff, the Rob Schneider stuff, I know you can do it. First movie that ever happened, because this is the first movie that Schneider did with Sandler. That was an SNL bit first, right? That you can do it? Oh, maybe it was. I don't know about that. But the first big screen movie where we ever had that line, and it's been in a lot of the Sandler films. And I think Sandler's done it in one of the Schneider films where Sandler had some little walk-on cameo for seconds, where he did the, you can do it. I don't have a problem with Schneider doing that. I know it's one of the more famous things he's ever done in his career, along with, of course, making cuppies on SNL. Woof. (laughs) But he says it, just like we talked about on Running Man, where he repeats the, get out of here, and so many of his other catchphrases in Running Man too often. I don't mind, you can do it, but not over and over and over. Although, if he had done it twice, if it had been earlier in the film, yeah. about football and then after the wedding about the honeymoon where he says you can do it then it would make sense but he says it probably five times in the whole film so it's Agreed. just too much yeah overplayed for sure if you can find a shtick in Hollywood even if it's your buddies movies that will get you recurring roles and get you paid more power it to sure you. did in this case Schneider overplayed the hand it felt like right? mm. by the way you've got two beers over there and you can actually tell us what the first one is oh yeah that's right I was going to go down that manly man road with the you, rec- you can stuff. recommend stuff to people they might want to drink it too Yeah, well, if you are in southern Ontario and you have access to all of these small craft breweries in this region, you absolutely can. The first one is an exchange brewery, Rosé Sour, Manly, yes. The second one is a Lake of Bay's Cherry Lime Mojito Sour type of thing. So I'm hitting those sour beers hard and fast tonight. You can drink it. I can drink it all night. Well, probably not all night long. I am 40 years old now, but I can drink it until 9 (laughs) p.m. It is a Thursday, not quite the weekend just yet, although I am now off. My stretch of shifts is done. Well, Dimwit Surges Forth, as it was known in Thailand. Dimwit Surges Forth. That's a pretty good title. The Waterboy yeah. is actually a good title, but <laughs> that's an even better one. That takes maybe the crown of all of the foreign titles you've ever told us. I struggle to think of one that beats Dimwit Surges Forth. That's pretty great. <laughs> I kind of want to see that movie now. And it was released by Buena Vista, which, of course, is Disney. And we did see this on Disney+. Plus right. On November 6th, 1998. And I said before it was a mega smash. It was not well-reviewed by the critics, though. 34% only on Rotten Tomatoes. That surprised me. Even if you don't like this movie, and I can tell you don't, 
I think I liked it more than you, surprisingly. But 34%, I'm surprised it wasn't more like 45 to 50. This is not a terrible movie. The biggest problem with this movie is it isn't that funny. But I did like the yeah. sweetness. And yeah. of all of his characters, he has one of those dumb voices. It's an accent, I guess, because he's a southerner. I hated little Nicky two years later, partly for that stupid voice he puts on. And he does it so often in his movies. I can live with him being immature. But when he plays just Adam Sandler and just does his normal voice, I like it a lot more. But this is one of the examples where he does that voice and I didn't really have a problem with it. It was not the exact same voice he's done in all the films. Anyway, the critics hated it. The average was 4.5 out of 10 on the strength of 76 reviews. But the audience is in Rotten Tomatoes, 71%. And in looking at Sandler movies earlier today, almost everything you think of as an Adam Sandler branded film has a splat in Rotten Tomatoes and a bad splat way below 60%, which is what gets you a fresh tomato. But the Meyerowitz stories is well-reviewed. He did that a couple years ago with Ben Stiller. And Punch Drunk Love was well-reviewed. Funny People was okay. So was, of course, Uncut Gems. And actually, the first Hotel Transylvania was fine. But you get to this other stuff, (laughs) and he got torched by them. But it was a big success. It did also set a record for an opening weekend in November. Now, I'm sure that's been broken since. It has been 23 years, or will be in a few months. But one of the reasons why might be the Star Wars Episode One Phantom Menace trailer was playing before it. Oh. So apparently people would go in, see the trailer, and then leave. But they paid a ticket for Waterboy. Well, listen, in 98, after 15 years of waiting, I probably would have done that too if I'd known. They hadn't yet experienced the disappointment of Phantom Menace, (laughs) so they didn't know any better yet. I'm not shocked by those numbers. Sometimes you read the Rotten Tomatoes numbers, and I'm shocked by critics or fans good or bad yeah Yeah, either way this one doesn't really shock me because it is the kind of movie that i can see people enjoying and the kind of movie that i can see critics detesting and i came out of the gate ragging on the friends only because you mentioned that friends aspect of sandler's career and how Mm -hmm. he likes to put them in his movies and i think that is an admirable trait but i also think it's one of his downfalls and one of the reasons why he gets ragged on for a lot of his comedies is that as hard as he works, he works in a little bit of a friend echo chamber. I don't know if he works that hard, actually. Well, for a long time, he was known as a guy that busted his hump harder than almost anyone in Hollywood. That was his rep back in the late 90s and early aughts. Maybe not anymore, because he's made, I'm sure, an absolute fortune at this point in his okay. life. Well, people have criticized the going to Hawaii to shoot, was it Just Go With It movie? Yeah. But then he's not the only one that's had a movie set in Hawaii, probably for that yeah. reason. 51st Dates, which I actually really like. That must have gotten a fresh tomato. If that didn't get a fresh tomato, then that's criminal, because I really like that movie. I saw it again within the last year, and I still like that movie. I would guarantee you it did, because it feels like not just a movie that people would like, but that critics would be fairly soft on, Mm -hmm. too. I think that echo chamber of him working with his friends almost all the time is they're doing stuff that makes each other laugh, apparently, and while that's fun to do, and that's part of the reason we do stuff like this, audiences aren't necessarily going to find that funny because it becomes like a very insular kind of humor. And I think Mm. this suffers from that sometimes. And you reference one of the things that I would suspect comes out of that environment. And that's Sandler's propensity for these silly voices in situations where it's maybe not needful. I agree with you on little Nikki entirely. This one, I also agree with you could have done without the accent weird voice thing, but didn't really bother me either. And I think you hit the nail on the head, at least as 40-something dudes watching a movie that's 23 years old, I felt similarly about this as I did when we watched Slapshot and The Longest Yard. Just not that funny. That was the biggest problem with this movie. I didn't yeah. laugh that much. I had a good time watching it. A few times, it. though. A few times. Oh, I laughed a few, actually, one of the best lines in this whole movie, maybe the best line in the whole film, and I wrote it down exactly, so I hope I don't misquote it here. I hope I get it exactly. 
when Kathy Bates says to Adam Sandler, because he has a black eye from playing football, but can admit he's playing the foosball. <laughs> oh, I know what you're going to say. And she says, did they catch the gorilla that escaped that zoo and punched you in the eye? <laughs> that was good. Her delivery on that is one of the best things she's ever done, and this is an Oscar winner. <laughs> That's true. Kudos to Kathy Bates. I really enjoyed her in this movie, I have to say. That was a great line, and in fairness to Sandler... There was like a montage scene subsequent to that where you see Bobby has a cut above his eye and he's talking to his mom. There's music playing over. So you can tell what he's saying. He's like miming that gorilla <laughs> and the gorilla taking a swing and stuff. And she's like, what? And then you see her putting up posters. I also kind of enjoyed the end of the movie where you kind of assume that Bobby's pent up rage and subsequent strength comes from his father somehow this mysterious roberto but then we find out no it's his mom because the mom tackles the wayward mm-hmm. dad when he comes and tries to like tiger woods bobby at the end of it all there's definitely some cute moments and one of the things that sandler can do very well is play the lovable loser oh yeah well he's done that almost always yeah. Maybe not so much the more recent films where he plays <laughs> a lot of times the winner if he's in hawaii for example in multiple movies but yes right. little nicky for example is the loser son of satan You're right, he does it a lot, but there's a good reason for it. And Mm -hmm. in this case, I think it works reasonably well. I felt for Bobby for the most part. I wanted him to succeed. I felt good when he did. I enjoyed a lot watching him progress through the movie. I enjoyed a lot of the silly subterfuge with his mother, even if it wasn't laugh-out-loud funny. Mm -hmm. One of those goes-down-pretty-easy-but-forgettable movies of the sort that we seem to be watching a fair bit lately. (laughs) I really didn't hate it. I don't want to come across like I okay. did. Well, a lot of other people did because to finish the plaudits and the razzes, well, it got a Razzie nomination for him. He's had plenty, I believe. For him specifically? Yeah. For many performances. a little undeserved. I don't think it was deserved in this case. And it won a Stinker Award, so a different category for annoying fake accent. And again, he's done worse mm-hmm. than even this. But it was nominated for the Top 100 Laughs. Could have made that list. None of the Sandler films should... If any of those were worthy, it was probably Happy Gilmore, which we covered, I think, so. I think, the first year we started doing this podcast. Yep. And that was a good film. Now, we haven't really talked about the sport yet. He actually does play football after being a water boy for 18 years. He's 31 years old. I'm glad that Henry Winkler at one point even questions it. You've picked up nothing from being around football. <laughs> I've been focusing on the... I won't do the accent. I've been focusing on the H2O the whole time, the water. But in a nutshell for this movie, by the way, as we talk about the sport now, if only anyone had ever heard of a double team... <sighs> When this guy starts sacking the quarterback two, three times, maybe put somebody else on him, or maybe put one person on him. Is he ever blocked? Or is he ever double blocked? Like you see Lawrence Taylor, for example. Doesn't they triple team Lawrence Taylor sometimes in his prime? Adam Sandler is the college version of Lawrence Taylor, and they don't seem to block him, period. He can be as rageful as he wants to, but if you've got big, talented linemen getting in his way, he's not going to just hammer the quarterback 16 times. There's 20 times at one point. Okay. The football in this movie, at times, is actually not terribly portrayed, but most often it's pretty silly as it applies to Bobby. I would say almost always it's portrayed pretty badly. It's pretty silly. They show him catapulting himself over the offensive line, right? So I think the implication is they're probably trying to put multiple bodies on him. and He's, he's just, just jumping over them? He's just got the spring heel jack legs or something, and is just vaulting over them and getting at the Because he's filled with rage! So much of that impotent rage that just comes bubbling forth... As you're saying these things, as much as I said this wasn't a terribly funny movie, you're saying things and naming names. I'm like, yeah, that was a cute moment. I kind of giggled at that. 
when we see him setting up the water stand on the sideline and different it's, brands, different, different types. brands and types of water and all the cups, you know, that's kind of cute. That's fun. He's very professional. He's very professional. He's dedicated to his craft and the Lawrence Taylor reference. He's in the movie. That's right. So yeah. Lawrence Taylor, he's actually in the movie. Yeah. LT's football camp or whatever. And he asked Bobby, had you always be in position? And he's looking for in-depth analysis of reading the offensive play. And instead, Bobby just gives the typical, I look at the ball, I follow the ball, I hit the guy with the ball kind of stuff. And LT just has this, uh-huh, 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 look on his face and then turns to the kid and says, that brings me to my next point. Kids don't do drugs. And the kids are all like, yep, we get it. I'm like, okay, that's also kind of cute. Sam, they're recognizing how dumb his character is coming across. Mm-hmm. Although in a nice touch, and I did appreciate this, I have to say, Bobby comes across dumb early on and he plays it kind of dumb at times, but it's not at like... times. It's not like he's a stupid man. He's a man that's been coddled and he's a naive kind that's, of stupid. He's very naive, yes. So true. at the end of the movie, when he's told, listen, you got to take your GED, your high school equivalency in order to play, you got to read these six textbooks and all that, he succeeds with flying colors. And like, oh, you know what? This guy, for all of our impressions of him and our assumptions about him, he's a smart guy. His he's, mother was his Facebook friend, effectively, giving him bad information yeah, all those years. that's right. He got fake news from his mom about alligators being ornery yeah. and stuff like that all the these years. The medulla oblongata information <laughs> was not accurate. With his medulla oblongata. <laughs> Colonel Sanders, when he assaults his teacher like that, should be charged. No charge. Instantly expelled. Nope. Not this None time. of that. Henry Winkler wields some power at that school, I guess. Well, he's the one I remember from this movie the most, because I have not seen The Waterboy in a very long time. And I remember thinking it was one of the better Sandler movies, because I'm not really a fan of this style, his films in general. I love Punch Drunk Love. I like Funny People quite a bit. I respected Uncut Gems. I'll probably watch it again one day, but maybe not for a long time. And I did like Happy Gilmore. But this is one of the ones, and Wedding Singer, that stood at the most, I think. And I think it's more for... I forgot how good Kathy Bates is, actually. Yeah, she's very good. Where she's just hamming it up. She's eating scenery, but she's fun doing it. She got nominated the same year for Supporting Actress Oscar in Primary Colors, eating scenery in a different kind of way, in a more reputable Mike Nichols film, but she's eating scenery in that one, too. But anyway, Henry Winkler, I think he just surprised people when he did Scream two years before This is the Principal, and then he does this movie. We knew he could do comedy, because he'd been the Fonz for so long in Happy Days, and that was a comedy, even though he wasn't really so much the... But he was never the butt of jokes, he was the Fonz, but mm-hmm. we always thought of him as Mr. Cool, and then he does these mid to late 90s movies where he plays this loser dude, yeah. And he steals this film, except at the point at the end when he finally confronts the whole red thing. So Jerry Reed, the guy from Smoking the Bandit, who steals those movies, I think, as great as Burt Reynolds was in those starring roles. Jerry Reed is even more fun in the Smoking the Bandit films. You can open that. Go ahead. Open and that I, here. I didn't want to fully over your point. Well, we knew you had to. So. But Winkler doing this kind of loser is pretty funny, but it's also filled with pathos. You could have made this a tragedy very easily with his character, and when he finally gets over his problems with Red from long before when Red stole his playbook, visualizing and really weird-looking things, these dogs that aren't that cute, these babies that really aren't that cute, visual effects, CGI was still, not infancy, I guess it was about 10 years old, but that's supposed to be hysterical, and then Winkler's reaction to that. Isn't that funny? you got to admire the commitment. He went for it, yeah. That is a shtick that Bobby uses at Henry Winkler's behest early in the movie. Visualize somebody that makes you mad and pretend it's them and then channel that anger, right? And we see him do that with the quarterback on the team. That's the bully. The bully. His own mother at one point. And when he sacks his own mother in the end zone, if yeah. you will. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So they get a safety out of that. 
the thought going through my head then was these effects actually look reasonable for the late 90s. They look pretty decent at that point. And then we got to the final scene where Henry Winkler is doing the same thing. And like you said, he's visualizing these weird dog heads and the baby. It looked rough. And it made me wonder if there was different visual effects studios doing it or they were just working chronologically through the movie and were running out of time. Get it done, guys. Because it just looks so much worse than... I didn't care if it was a good visual effect. It was more that the baby they showed, for example, wasn't cute at all. When they have the multiple Henry Winklers that he is seeing with the Gatorade, Gatorade taunt... That's I didn't look that closely, but I think that was done well enough considering there are so many Winklers on the screen at one point. I'm sure that was an expensive shot. I don't care about the technical necessarily in that. It's not supposed to be brilliant technically. And I'll acknowledge now, if you hear it, you probably will, listeners, that we've got a sewer crew out at 8.15 at night on a Thursday doing work. They were doing it during the week the last little while, but here they are. Anyway, hopefully it doesn't ruin the audio. But back to the point about Winkler. Maybe they think it's funny that it isn't looking that good. The effect, the baby, the dog are not adorable. But I do admire Winkler's commitment to the whole thing. And yes, he is actually a pretty good coach. But I mentioned before, why don't the other teams ever double-team him or triple-team him or just stay away from him, no matter how filled with rage he might be. But this team was so bad before, and now they're not national champion level, but it's a bowl game they're in, right, at the end? A state bowl So they get to a state bowl game based entirely on one defender who wasn't even playing in this game. They're down 27-0. He shows up and they win, and he throws the winning touchdown. He throws the winning touchdown which is an interesting choice, that he becomes an option, basically, and throws it. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) I'd forgotten about that entirely, too, and it stuck out to me like a sore thumb at the end of it. And I do want to revisit Henry Winkler briefly. I really enjoyed him, too, in this movie. But that final sequence felt so jarring to me. In a movie that, much like Running Man, doesn't really deserve a lot of critical analysis of its screenplay, I'm sure, but we're going to do it anyway. But Bobby's whole thing is that he's fueled by righteous anger and raw physical strength, right? And we know that throwing a football, there's technique to that. You don't just pick up a football for the first time and throw a perfect spiral 60 yards downfield and hit a guy on the run. That doesn't happen. Of course, he has to make the winning play, for sure. But if his whole thing is anger and strength, just brute strength, why not just have him run it in? And I get that the coach had said... Do whatever you have to do to stop this guy. Stab him. I don't care. Don't let him in the end zone. But I think what a nice touch would have been is rather than have Bobby heave the winning throw to his nemesis in the end zone, have that quarterback guy act as a blocker for Bobby. You see the opposing tough guy running at Bobby, about to cheap shot him in the head or something, and then the former bully throws himself in the way, sacrifices himself. Bobby runs in for the touchdown. Because that feels more plausible. That feels like you're playing into the strengths that we've established for Bobby. And you give that quarterback guy a real chance at a redemption moment. Mm -hmm. And I get that he said earlier, yeah, Bobby, I'm sorry I was a bully to you. But this would have been like the coup de grace for that whole thing, right? You should have written this movie instead of Tim Hurley. His longtime co-writer and Sandler himself. They were the ones that wrote this. I've already drafted up the angry letter to both of them. And I will be (laughs) mailing it after this recording, 23 years after its release. Dear sirs. Please re-edit Happy Gilmore in the following... <laughs> not Happy Gilmore. Please re-edit Waterboy in the following ways. That was a good point. But I just mentioned the Hurley, Sandler, and then Frank Karachi. Yeah, I think that's his name. I think he did Click. That's one of the Sandler movies I don't love. He did. But it has some good stuff in it. Almost a good movie. And, of course, co-stars Kate Beckinsale. Whew. One of my all-time favorites. I and she's say. so gorgeous in that. One of the many movies, I think, where Sandler's co-starring lady has a V name. Because, of course, in this, Faruza Balk is Vicky Valancourt. And Julie Bowen in Happy Gilmore was, I forget now, but V something. Was, was it a really? V name. Yeah. That was a common thing for him, at least back then. 
his leading ladies were V. Wonder why. Although he's married to somebody else and for many years named Jackie, but maybe his old flame or something was V. Maybe it's a tribute to his mom. I don't know. Could be that too. He loves his That'd mama. That'd be weird though. He does love his mom in this movie. As she serves snake <laughs> to people and <laughs> That would be weird if he named all of his love interests after his mother. Not impossible, yeah. but an interesting Not place. a good idea though, it's true, yeah. So this team is the South Central Louisiana State University Mud Dogs, SCLSU, obviously made up team. And he does make the team based on one play after he says, stop making fun of me, which is in the trailer, I think, and then runs and attacks that bullying quarterback you talked about before. And he's on the team for that one reason, but he has to be taught plays and stuff. They make him seem so simple and stupid that I don't know he could get by. Football players have to know playbooks and things. Now, maybe it's a little easier as a defender than, say, the quarterback or a wide receiver. The offensive players, especially the ones who touch the ball one way or another, not so much the linemen, have so many more responsibilities about little things they have to know. Everyone has to know. I get they all have to know what that means, but it does mean more for the people that have control of the ball more often. Yeah. But this guy's portrayed as such a simpleton, nice though he may be, that I don't know. I would think that he would just go offside all the time. He would do this. He would do that. He never seems to go offside even once, does he? And he's supposed to be so angry as he's visualizing people he hates. And also, how many times can you do that? I've told this story to Bev before that my dad and I, many years ago, when I still lived at home, had a falling out about something. And then for months after, it was never really truly settled. I'd be at dinner and then I have to remember that I'm not mad at my mom. I'm not mad at my sister. I'm mad at my dad. And after a while, you start remembering, what am I even mad about anymore? How much can you visualize after a while? Well, same with Bobby Boucher in this. Is he always, I'm so mad about that thing I remember from five years ago. That thing I remember from last week. This is not a rage-filled person. Well, he is a rage-filled person because Sandler often played a rage-filled person who doesn't actually otherwise seem rage-filled. He's a pretty nice guy, pretty simple guy. He does love his mama, though she's been lying to him. Punch Drunk Love is a great movie, but PTA, who directed it and wrote it, said if people didn't see that as a Sandler movie, then he would feel like a failure. And when I heard that and saw the movie again, I thought, this is. It's just a better-made, better-written Sandler movie, including the coiled rage behind the very nice guy who ends up with the girl at the end of the film. I think that definitely falls within the scope of don't look too closely at the script of this movie, because you're right. You could say, well, he's got 31 years of bottled up rage and a lot of the lies that his mother has been telling him to keep him close to her are coming to light now. So maybe that's fueling a lot of the ongoing anger. Daddy died of dehydration in the desert. So, of course, yes. his son is obsessed with Rebel making sure people have water. That's a sweet moment. Again, not that funny, but sweet when he makes sure that the referee has a glass of water when he looks like he needs one. That was very cute. It was one of those things that you knew was coming from the moment it was foreshadowed earlier in the movie, but when he gets blindsided and cheap shot on the field and Feruza Balk's character, Vicky Valancourt, brings him the like mystical, always cold... Glacier uh, water? A shaman of the Inuit or something had blessed it or something, so it's always cold, and he drinks it and does the acrobatic jump kick up. Popeye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> da -da 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 -da. I'm like, stupid, of course, and impossible, but I liked it. You have to have that kind of moment to justify the whole water boy arc. I'm Bobby right? the football man. Exactly. Doot, doot. Yeah. <laughs> boop, boop. I had questions. Well, we flash back to 13-year-old Bobby being the water boy of LSU or whatever that big school was meant to be mm -hmm. in this movie. Because the coach is always just mad at him existing. From right? the beginning. How did he get onto the field to begin with? Mm -hmm. How does he maintain this position? And not even from the point of being like a college-age man, but rather from a 13-year-old kid... You owe him nothing. It's not like he's a student you want to help out or yeah. anything like that. Because presumably the coach has a say in who's on the field during games and practices and whatnot. 
it's taken him 18 years to can mm-hmm. this guy. And, and if he's any kind of distraction to his team, any distraction, why would he ditch him when a water boy is so replaceable? <laughs> and if we know anything from an earlier sequence in this movie, it's that it takes a good three plus hours or something to drive to and from the stadium, right? On that slow tractor. So how the heck did he get there when he was 13 years old? I mean, presumably still riding the ride-on tractor, but shouldn't he be in some kind of schooling or something? Well, I thought he was homeschooled by Mama. Eating snake, eating alligators. You have to believe that to be true. But man, a lot of questions about Bobby's backstory. (laughs) This could be a very deep, dark... (laughs) Maybe a documentary should be made about (laughs) these people. That would be a fun trailer recut of The Water Boy, as people have done with The Shining, to make it like Mm -hmm. a happy family movie. (laughs) This will be the reverse. It'll be just like a dark, introspective movie about childhood abuse of this poor guy Mm. and how he's overcoming it as an adult or something. Mrs. But, Doubtfire, they did a great job with that, where they make him out to be did. a psycho That's killer. Right. Not That's maybe a, a killer, but a psycho at least. Before I forget, I just want to revisit the praise for Henry Winkler, because mm. you mentioned him earlier, and I totally agree with you. And your snake comment reminded me of one of his better moments in this movie. I thought the hillbilly, rednecky element mm. of Bobby's family was... Shooting fish in a barrel a little bit there. Yeah, it was kind of overdone and didn't really play all that well. But when Henry Winkler's character is trying to win over Bobby's mom and he goes to dinner, the way he plays his reactions to Kathy Bates' lines, I thought was so good. Mm -hmm. So understated. There's just like the perfect pause in every one of the lines he reads. What's for dessert? And then you hear like the squeal and the flash outside and Kathy Bates, squirrel. (laughs) Henry Winkler waits just long enough. It just has that far enough away look in his eyes to think like, (laughs) you can do this, man. You can do this. Good. I guess part of me loses the sequence of events a little bit because I so associate Henry Winkler with Arrested Development and then all of the subsequent... Why am I thinking of that? That may be the best thing he's ever done in his whole career, yes. Yeah, and I think after that, he really got a reputation for having some comedic chops and we've seen... He's great on Barry now as well. Right, as the acting coach Mm -hmm. on Barry. So he's been appearing in sometimes small but often comedic roles over the last... 20-ish years He's really showing his comedic range. He always was obviously a comic actor playing the Fonz in a comedy, but he wasn't the comedy guy, like I said earlier, but then in Arrested Development steals that show, and that is an impossible show to steal, but he finds a way to do it. He's so great in that. so good. And then Barry, a different way of stealing scenes from a great Bill Hader, who's excellent in that, his own show. I agree. And this is what I say, I lose the track of time here, but when did Arrested Development begin airing? 2003. Okay, so it was after this mm-hmm. by about five years. So that makes sense then that this would have been a departure, certainly, from what anyone expected of Henry Winkler. Because he had a period kind of in the wilderness of Hollywood, mm-hmm. didn't he, too, after the fawn sort of went away and he just was trying to claw his way back. So He so- started directing a little bit, too. Did he? Yeah. Okay. I think he's one of the few people I've ever heard, and I'm sure it was very nice the way he said it, because Henry Winkler seems like one of the nicest people in the history of the world. But he is one of the few people that seems to not have a lot of great feelings for Tom Hanks. No kidding. Because I think he was supposed to direct Turner and Hooch and he got fired. And I'm not sure if it was Hanks that caused it, but they went with the star over the director. And Winkler has directed a few films, but it wasn't like he's Stanley Kubrick or David Lynch or even a comic guy like maybe Gary Marshall, who, of course, did Happy Days. But he was in, if it was in the wilderness, he wasn't really getting those big name things. And maybe that's why maybe he was somewhat blackballed. The fact that I think he was also uncredited in Scream. And he's quite good in that, in a small role as the principal. And he's worked with Sandler a few times since this era. He was his father in Click. He's in Here Comes the Boom, which is Kevin James. And I think Sandler is involved. But if nothing else, he's a Kevin James friend. So maybe that's why Winkler was in it. But yeah, Winkler is 
if not the best thing in this movie, one of the best things. Kathy Bates is just chewing scenery, but okay. it's fun scenery. And in that scene at dinner, if Sandler didn't tell people at the time, I've never heard this before, because he's still fairly new to acting at this point in the late 90s. I'm learning so much with Kathy Bates and Henry Winkler at this dinner table with me that he's not even paying any attention. And I don't think that's true of him. I can imagine him saying, wow, what a great experience this is. She's already done so many excellent things, a stage actress, an Oscar winner. And he's been a legend for, at that point, 25 years or so. Man, I'm Adam Sandler. I was on a TV show, maybe still was on SNL at this point, and I've made a few movies, but I'm sitting here with these two. Yeah, they really put on a little bit of a comedic delivery masterclass at various points in this movie. I think a better director than Frank Caracci makes this an excellent comedy rather than just an enjoyable, not-so-hilarious comedy. But then this is one of Sandler's regulars. He's done so many films with him, and he did Here Comes the Boom as well. And most of Caracci's credits are not all that good. Part of what I, again, with no knowledge of it, although the thought of two of the people with maybe the best reputations in modern history of Hollywood, Tom Hanks and Henry Winkler, having some sort of feud with each other is a fantastic headcanon-y kind of thought. But having totally forgotten that Henry Winkler was in this movie when I sat down to rewatch it, the reintroduction of him was so fantastic when we were brought back to him and we just get that monologue of him watching his team's futile replays insulting them insult oh no he dropped the ball but my team is nowhere inside to see it but then he also has that flash of brilliance and what i love about this is not only is the line itself delivered so great when he ushers happy in, he starts writing like a complex like, like play happy <laughs> oh sorry when he ushers bobby into the room and he's happy Houche. happy <laughs> no happy gouche i guess in this case right okay but he ushers Bobby into the room and starts writing up this complex play. He's drawing the circles and, and X's, and then all of a sudden, he, I lost it. Where am I? What am I doing? And he's got <laughs> such a perfect delivery of a man having an anxiety or panic attack at the same time. And then it goes almost uncommented on for an hour, mm-hmm. right, about this coach's inability to come up with any kind of football play because of the traumatic events of his past. And then, of course, that leads into the green book that his nemesis has stolen off of him 20 years prior. And I think a lot of that credit lies with Henry Winkler's performance, of course. But they do a pretty good job of planting that seed and then not banging you over the head with, look at what a fraud this coach is, how he screwed over Henry Winkler 20 years ago and how he's playing it up. They just leave it alone and then bring it back at the appropriate time at the end of the movie. And I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head just now when you said, in the hands of a slightly better director... There's enough here to lead me to believe could that have been a great comedy. could have been a great comedy. Kind of makes you a little bit sad that it That's was just, put in okay. the hands of Karachi, but yeah. listen, we've watched a lot worse, so I guess we oh, can't definitely true, complain yeah. too much. Well, Lawrence Gilliard is also in this movie as Derek Wallace. He's the place kicker. Right. I loved him as D'Angelo Barksdale in The Wire, which was around the same time as this. I guess it's later than this. But he's excellent in that. When he gets killed off on that show... I was heartbroken because I think he was my favorite character and then they killed him off so early on in maybe the second or third year of that show. Paul White being the big show is the wrestler we see. I thought he would come back I and be in the movie again. Yeah, He's great. in the movie early on and then not again. Captain and he was Insano. just starting to build his legend with WCW at that point. He wasn't in the WWF. So he was still just the giant with WCW. But around this time, the WCW wrestlers seemed to be in movies more often than WWF wrestlers were. Probably not an accident. I imagine mm-hmm. Vince McMahon was probably a bit of a tool about letting the guys under his contract appear in other movies. That right? wasn't true when we got into the 2000s, though, because then they started being in WWF productions. Of course, yeah. The Rock especially being in, not in WWF thing, but Mummy Returns. And then that was a spinoff for him, and look where he's gone ever since. We saw Big Show or Paul White in something else, right? Wasn't but- he in Ready to Rumble? It must have been. I was thinking it might have been fighting with my family, but that would have been too late. I don't think he, he is in that. You're right. Yeah, it's him and Seamus backstage talking about the hot dogs. 
Yes, that's the right. Senior light. <laughs> you know, I'm a what is it? Something eater. I'm a scared, not scared eater. I'm a something a eater. nervous eater. Or Maybe something that's like what that, I yeah. yeah, or a feelings eater. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of athletes in this movie, and that's not surprising. I think that was also true about the longest yard. We'll probably do that one of these days, meaning the Sandler one. Because Burt Reynolds' version right. we've already covered, that was a year or two ago. And there are a lot of wrestlers in that, a lot of, I think, NFL players in that in small Goldberg. roles. Goldberg's in that. Steve Austin's in that. Kevin Nash is in that. But in this, you've got a lot of legit football people who are, I think, if not entirely, mostly retired from either playing or coaching. But we talked about LT. Lynn Swan's in this a few times because he was a broadcaster on the sidelines. And he yep. does that in this movie once or twice. Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cower in the stands. But one of that. the best things in this movie is Brent Musburger interrupting Dan Fouts is nothing but cliche stuff. Yeah. Again, that could have been awesome rather than just, that's pretty good, guys. I like that. Musburger is not a great actor necessarily because he's not an actor at all. But he did a pretty good job with those scenes. I agree with you. Yeah, that was, I know, Dan. <laughs> that was one of those bits that I thought, you know, that worked reasonably well. We get it. You got to pull out all the stops, <laughs> right? And even Lynn Swan had a fun little look to camera when he had that conversation with Fruza Balk at the end of the movie. But the whole Jimmy and Bill Cower stuff in this movie, it stank of we got to get football names that people... Yeah, were. cramming them in there. That's true. Okay, you have the one moment where they're presumably scouting... Bobby, right? They're in the stands. Yeah, these are college football players, too. Let's not forget, this is not a pro game. Of course, it's a college yeah, football so game. so they're scanning him for the draft or something. But it also might have just been a matter of Cowers, a recognizable face and a pretty famous coach. And Jimmy Johnson certainly was. So let's just get their faces in this movie. I and if they want to do it, they may have asked 20 people and those guys said yes. That's probably it. Some of that stuff where it feels like the movie's building momentum and you're like, okay, this is all right. And then there's a real clanker of a scene and it was stuff that involved them, particularly at the end when jimmy's eating the hot dog and clint howard's like are you done with that and reaches over and grabs it i'm like well that's not funny that just interrupted the action i kept wanting this movie to succeed so badly and it kept feeling like it was getting there getting there and then oh okay well that was a thing that happened and then i had to like reset my expectations in a way that actually sounds kind of similar to the way you were feeling towards the end of the movie where you're like well all right I guess I'm not going to laugh all that much, but that was all right kind of stuff, right? <laughs> nice feeling, but not laughing. Yeah. Just like the wedding night that Vicky and Bobby will have. This feels good. This is nice. Oh, it's over? <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about your wedding night for a second there. I'm like, whoa, right. Whoa. <laughs> That's probably true. I think when... This guy's never even touched... Well, I guess he sort of touched her a little bit, but he's never certainly had sex before. Vicky has been around, and as I said before, she's a bit of a piece, and she's going to be disappointed by Bobby, but she loves him, so I guess she'll put up with it. <laughs> We know that Rob Schneider is going to be way off base when he says you can do it all night long. He can't do it. <laughs> no, definitely not. By the way, I'm seeing here in my notes, I forgot, it's the Bourbon Bowl they're playing in, and it's LSU. But I say South Central? South so Central. They play on South Central, as in LA? Anyway, South Central. Oh, maybe. Yeah. LSU. So that's why it's the Bourbon Bowl. That's probably made up, I'm guessing. I mean, I don't think it's a, maybe there is a Bourbon Bowl. I don't know. So the depiction of the sport, I think it's pretty terrible because Bobby's never blocked and he's sacking people constantly. That frustrates me. And for the most part, I don't think it's a good football movie, but it's not the worst we've ever seen either. It's not as bad as, say, Rookie of the Year, which knew nothing about baseball. This knows something about football. And as far as the can you score factor, I think I said this off the top, Fariza Balk helps a lot, but Sandler really evens that out, if not under. Although I like the guy. I'll say it again. He seems like a great guy. I'd like to know Adam Sandler. It'd be fun to be in a circle of friends. And this is before he started doing movies with other big names like Chris Rock, who's in so many of his movies in the last few years, and Kevin James, who is lucky to be in Hollywood, quite honestly, but a pretty big name. <laughs> and even David Spade. He makes movies with those guys almost all the time. Schneider's been in so many of his films. Alan right. Covert has. 
I mentioned Karachi and Hurley over and over again. And of course, another Sandler staple is pop songs, rock songs, classic songs. Songs I like an awful lot, but he does rely on those in almost everything he's ever done. On the nose songs as well. You catch the Tom Sawyer riff during the climactic football game here? Yeah, the Tom Sai, yeah. modern day warrior, yeah. yeah. Of course he's going to use that. A little that. on the nose, but yeah. Mm. A little Canadian content at least. Yes. So I would give it a 6 out of 10 because I did basically enjoy myself. But what about you? Yeah, I was leaning towards like the five, five and a half range, but I think we're more or less in the same ballpark. I give this movie a little bit more of a pass on the depiction of the sport than I think you do, mostly because it acknowledges pretty early on that this is going to be a real silly kind of thing. When you see Bobby for the first time tackle a guy, especially in game action. Stop like, making fun of me. They're not really taking pains to try to depict the sport accurately. Where I've gotten most angry just at the laziness of a movie is where it's trying to portray a serious depiction of a sport and just failing so utterly through laziness. Just not knowing the basics of things, which you got to know if you're going to write a screenplay about it. But I didn't expect that out of this movie. So I'm like, all right, fair enough. I had issues with the final play. I think they could have redone that better, as mm. we talked about. And it wasn't a movie that I laughed a ton at, but... I think I've highlighted probably six moments in this movie where I was like, oh, that was cute, or I giggled, or I enjoyed the delivery of that. So I can't fault it too hard. And like you said, it was kind of an enjoyable watch, if a fairly forgettable one. But it's like these beers, Ryan. They just go sure. down easy, and then I forget all about it a moment later. So can't complain too And it's hard. getting close to 9 o'clock, too. So you yeah. should be done, as you said earlier. Uh-oh. So the NFL season starts next week. We did pick this as a football movie leading into that, although I'd forgotten it was a college football movie when I decided to pick it, but it's also on Disney+, Plus. So that helped. But it does start on the 9th. This is the second when this episode comes out. So enjoy all that brain-bruising super spreader action. Because that's going to be that. Super spreader may be the key word there. And in two weeks, we'll cover our very first tennis movie as we again rely on Disney+, Plus and we gaze at Bobby taking on Billie Jean in Battle of the Sexes, which you have not seen. No, I haven't. This is one that's been on my like to-watch list probably for at least two years now, and I still haven't gotten around to it. So yeah. A lot more serious than this movie, for sure. I saw it once. I don't recall what? the details. But <laughs> it more has serious to than The Waterboy? Se- <laughs> yeah, Steve Carell and Emma Stone. Talented people. So, we are on Twitter. I'm at MovieFiend51. Chris is at Scoring at Movies. We're on email, of course. Everyone's on email. We're scoring at the movies at gmail.com. Send us a smoke signal if you like in Toronto. Go to Chris's favorite breweries and buy beer with them and share those beers in the store and they'll throw you out. And stop making fun of me because we're going to take her easy. No, don't take it easy. If you take it easy, you lose your righteous anger. That makes me good, doesn't it? Yeah. Then we'll just say thank you and good night. <laughs> well, what? that's quite a departure. I have nothing better than that, do I? I don't know what else to say to end this podcast. Thank you, and good night. Just leave it all out in the field, Ryan. I will do the complete opposite of Adam Sandler as I say good night and good luck. There you go.